Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson from Something to Wrestle With, and you're listening to the Awesome 80s Podcast. Roll Tide. This is an episode uh, specifically about tag team wrestling that we're re-releasing. Uh, I think probably the peak for tag team wrestling was the 80s, so I mean, it definitely did stand out to me. Like, we're a team, we're a team, we're going to go win this together. Uh, so many teams, especially... That was a part of WCW and WA that I did enjoy probably the most was the tag team wrestling. But, I mean, and then, of course, they had a lot of great teams in WWF as well. Uh, we were on our way back from New Orleans, and I was like, hey, let's record this about tag team wrestling. I hope you do enjoy. Thanks. Hello, this is Michael, your awesome ladies host. We want to let you know we had a great time going down to New Orleans, hanging out on Bourbon Street, and going to WrestleMania, and... Uh, then going to the Raw the night after. Uh, we did get a chance to see uh, the Ultimate Warrior give his last talk. Uh, right after we arrived back home in Illinois, after going to New Orleans, we found out that the Ultimate Warrior had passed, and our condolences go out to him and his family and the entire wrestling community. With a little help from the people at the Old School Wrestling Podcast, we created a uh, tribute to the 1980s tag team wrestling. Thanks, and enjoy. Awesome made is sure. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Awesome Eighties Podcast. This is Michael. This is Lawrence. We're going to give you a pod short this week. We've been uh, doing our adventures down in New Orleans, going to see WrestleMania. Woo! Uh, first time, first time ever WrestleMania. First time ever. First time ever. We're with uh, our good friend Jim, uh, Art, and Dre. Yo. Yo. Hello, hello. Uh, have you guys been to WrestleMania before? I have. This is, uh, this is Art. I have. I've been to WrestleMania 13 and now WrestleMania 30. This is Jim. I've been with uh, WrestleMania 23 in Detroit and now WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. This is Dre. I follow Jim everywhere he goes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So Dre has been with Jim to two WrestleManias now. This is correct. Two for two. Well, that's cool. Dre, did you go to WrestleMania 13? I did not. No, I didn't like uh, WWF back then. Oh, so this is uh, Dre's only has been with Jim. That's. Do you feel good about that, Jim? There is something special and something to be said that only the only WrestleManias that Dre and I have been to have been with one another. It's a, spe- it's a special relationship. Do you feel like this is a burden now? Or if you want to go to WrestleMania, you can't go without Dre? Next year, if I want to fly out to Silicon Valley and, and Dre goes, you know what? Not this time, brother. Not this time. It, that may hinder. That may play a put a huge weight on my decision whether or not to go. I'll let you in on a secret, though. I'm not going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, my question was going to be, if I were to go, are you going to be like, oh, shit, I <laughs> I guess I have to now. <laughs> so this week we'll decide, uh, we'll probably drop two or three shows before our next movie review. Uh, but we've decided to talk about 1980s tag team wrestlers. Yes, you have decided to talk about 1980s tag team wrestlers. <laughs> uh, I'm super excited. I know tons, tons about tag team wrestling. I've been getting quizzed the entire time, and I'm asking other people, quizzing other people about the history of wrestling up and down while we drive from Illinois to New Orleans. Well, I, this this is our, and I have to say that, and I, I told him that I told Michael this earlier. I complimented him. He's the most well-informed non-wrestling fan I know. I mean, I'm extremely intelligent. Uh, I'm not really a fair weather fan about anything else. Yeah, but this is definitely something I'm a fair weather fan. I think you could. Wrestling. You could talk to wrestling fans, and you could, they would think that you're... That guy's a fan. Yeah. That guy's a fan. He knows who Bruiser Brody is. Yeah. <laughs> the 80s was a golden time for tag teams. That's part of the reason why I wanted to do it, because, like, right now, can you think of any wrestling tag teams that are head and shoulders above the rest? Like, do you have any favorite tag teams right now? Right, right now? Yeah. No, I do not. No. Okay. Uh, I liked Bad Influence in TNA, but I don't even know if they're there yeah. anymore. What about, like, ten years ago, we got the the Hardy Boys, the Dudleys, who else? Edge and Christian. They were good. Those three kind of had a re-enlightening of, of tag team wrestling, but I think it was more the style, not necessarily tag team. 
So that style, that was kind of the extreme uh, tag team style, tables, ladders, and chairs. So that's what you believe was kind of the impetus. I believe it was more about that, not to quote unquote tag team psychology, when to tag, you know, making the crowd want the good guy to make the tag to the to his other guys so they can come in and make the big house of fire comeback. I don't really think that that's what it was reaching, all about. They're reaching. Exactly. Exactly. Oh no, he tagged the referee. He didn't see it. He didn't see it. Oh, I'm so mad that the bad guy's in and they and they just they just clapped their own hand and that wasn't really a tag, ref. You can't let go of the corners and make they weren't, the tag. Even, they weren't even holding the tag rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh so Michael. What is your favorite move in wrestling that has to do with wrestling psychology? Uh, what, 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 what's your favorite move? The point, the point to the head? Is that your favorite? You I, seem I to, would say. You seem to fascinate well, focus times on that. You can use the, uh, you can distract the referee while you're, while you're in the middle of the match, and then one, one, one wrestler can come in and attack the other wrestler, and the ref wouldn't even know about it. Everyone in the house would know, but the ref... You wouldn't know about it, and that's using your head, and that's when you point your head and you let the crowd know that you're the one that's really in charge. You're the smart one. Yes. Everyone else is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, do you have any tag teams that you want to discuss, or? Uh, I guess growing up, I thought the uh, I thought the Killer Bees were pretty awesome. I was a big fan of the Killer Bees, but I mean, I, I mean. As much as a fair weather wrestling fan can be a fan of the Killer Bees. Were you a fan of the Killer Bees because they were good guys and cheated? Do you that's, remember the mask? They had a mask? Oh, that's what oh, they would do is they'd go under the ring. Oh, they'd put masks okay. on so the ref couldn't tell them apart which so they could switch in and out. Okay. So they were good guys, but yet they cheated. I thought they just had a good gimmick. I mean, for like an eight-year-old child, it was like, these guys are pretty awesome. They got a good gimmick. Michael, I figured you'd like the Killer Bees because they're fin- – Did you do you know what their finishing move was? Or one of their finishing moves. Is it the dick face? Uh, it was very close at the other side. Oh, the uh, ass face? The ass to the face. B Brian, there was the bee sting. Wow. Ryan Blair would, you know, uh, Jim Br- jumping Jim Bronzel would get on all fours, right? And then Brian, yes, Brian Blair would then step on him to get a nice big jump off, and then he would put his ass in the in the opponent's face as they came off the ropes. I figured you like seeing that, so maybe that's why you like the killer bees. Yeah. Maybe that's where it all came from. <laughs> Are we referring to B. Brian Blair? B. Brian Blair. Uh, so these wrestlers, did they move on to do anything else? To, usually in a tag team, one person branches off and becomes awesome. I remember growing up. The story was always Killer Bees are best friends with Hulk Hogan. B. Brian Blair and Hulk Hogan are great friends. They work out together. That's what the kids would always say in my grade school. I don't know if it was true. Well, did it? Did either of them? I mean, that was the pinnacle. Yeah. Jumping Jim Bronzel came as what we know now as an enhancement talent. Yes. He lost a lot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and he wore funky tie dye tights after the time with the Killer Bees. I remember thinking that looked really weak. And but uh, Brian Blair, I think, went on to be some sort of politician in Florida. Yes. I don't know any de- other details on that besides. I believe that. I believe a stark Republican. How about that? Oh, really? Stark Republican or a stark Republican? <laughs> stark? How, how, no, stark. Well, he's going to be stark Republican. Glenn's getting ready for being a pundit. What? What's the difference? Is John well, Stark. John Stark was his favorite player, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore stark Republican. Well, what the hell's a stunt Republican? Well, that's one who's like a, a hard-nosed Republican. Oh, okay. Difference. Okay. Uh, Stark is like a scrappy John Starks type player. And staunch, that's uh, that's just a hard-nosed, no-matter-of-fact Republican. Okay. That's the difference. Urban Dictionary. It's a thing. Uh, but also from the <laughs> WWF era at that time, it was the British Bulldogs. I thought just having the dog, the whole idea of like... Incorporating that into your gimmick, I, I just thought that was fantastic. I mean, especially like uh, my friend Steven and I, we would watch the NWA and the WWF, but the NWA never had like the gimmicks like where someone never brought a dog to the ring. I just thought that was an interesting idea, especially when they look little kids. They love dogs. So did you tend to veer towards uh, wrestlers who brought animals to the ring? Like were you also a Coco Beware Coco, fan? Coco Jake Beware's the Snake. Jake. I really like Jake the Snake. So basically to get over with you. You need to have an animal. You need to have an animal. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Uh, so the British Bulldogs were who? Davey Boy Smith. Okay. Dynamite Kid. 
one of the nicest men in wrestling. Dynamite oh yeah, kid. Dynamite Kid. He would he wouldn't mess with anyone. He you you you, would, you never have any you never hear of any problems coming with the personal life of the Dynamite Kid. Are you, are you guys I believe he put yes. poop in people. I believe he put poop in people's bags. He would poop in people's bags. He uh. You might replace he'd walk her. up. Go ahead, go ahead, Lawrence. He'd walk up to you with a fistful of quarters. Just kind of. You. Well, you mean a jackass at a party? Or you just you deserve it? You don't deserve it? I think most of the time the people maybe have egged it on, but okay. he took it too far. He might, he might replace your headache medicine with speed, so you're up all night. I'm not kidding. He liked to have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there you go. Expense. The British Bulldogs, they were also uh, my favorite tag team growing up in the 80s. I, uh, they were doing all kinds of acrobats, okay. and most tag teams weren't doing that, in the, not at least in the WWF at the time. I'll tell you my favorite part about the British Bulldogs. Um, uh, I, at the time, this was like in the late, late 80s, when I was a little kid and I loved the British Bulldogs. I thought they were the coolest tag team. And then WrestleMania 2, they came out with my favorite musician, Ozzy Osbourne. And the two of them together, like, totally blew my mind. It was like two of my worlds colliding. Because I loved Ozzy Osbourne and I loved having little posters of Ozzy Osbourne. And I actually had Ozzy Osbourne posters next to my British Bulldog posters on my wall. If you notice, some of us are kind of hoarse because we've been screaming for the past two days. Uh, we did get experience different 80s wrestlers. We saw, you, I saw Hulk Hogan two days in a row, and Glenn and Owen, you saw Hulk Hogan three days in a row? Three days in a row. Yeah. We went to WrestleCon initially, and there was Jake the Snake was there, um, Roddy Roddy Piper was there. Uh, Nasty Boys. Nasty Boys were there. Jimmy Fly Snuka was there. Honky Tonk Man, uh, Steiner Brothers, Brothers, One Man Gang, Bret Hart. Nasty Boys. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. Was Black Luke? Yeah. Sonny. Scott Norton. Scott Norton. Okay. So, so this goes on and on. So what eventually happened to the two members of the British Bulldogs? Well, uh, Dave Boy Smith, he, he passed us, he passed away, left his mortal coral all too soon. And he was related to, he married one of the Hart's wives, is that correct? He married one of the Hart's sisters. Sisters, I'm sorry. Yes. Davey Boy Smith had a nice little singles run after the breakup yeah. of the British Bulldogs. He would win the Intercontinental Championship, and he would also challenge uh, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, but he never won it. We also went on to have cornrows. Yes. <laughs> At least very uh, long drive. Uh, one of the things, besides all the steroid uses that led to his demise, was he got slammed uh, in the WCW ring, and he landed on the trap door that was put there for the Ultimate Warrior, which caused him... Uh, a back issue, which then got it led to a staph infection. And he was on lots of painkillers and uh, medicines, and he just kind of got addicted to painkillers. And after that, he, he eventually uh, passed. Well, they say that's like the demise of a lot of wrestlers is not so much the illegal drugs, the recreational drugs, as the stuff they've been prescribed and they just take it too far. Um, so the other wrestler was who? In, the was Dynamite Kid yeah, had a very successful singles run before. The British Bulldogs in Japan uh, wrestling Tiger Mask, but uh, but after the he had an in just uh, what would you say, uh, Glenn? Just a, just a not really one particular instance. Just a, right. his career style his, led to a back injury. His body just deteriorated. Uh, he had wrestled wrestled a very rough style uh, on the body, okay. and his body deteriorated. He's been paralyzed. Or he's been in a wheelchair bound. For many, many years, and from all reports, basically lives in poverty over in England. I know his daughter recently has been trying to raise money to get him some surgeries, but I don't know how successful she has been. His book, Pure Dynamite, is quite good for those who haven't read it. I, that, that's one of the wrestling books I would recommend. Okay. But uh, he comes out very angry, right? A little bit, a little yeah. bit. I think that's what makes it, it helps to be, it, it helps make it interesting that he does come off as uh, uh, bitter in a lot of Okay. A lot of aspects. Okay. But still a lot of great stories. Another great team that I thought was worth mentioning was Demolition. I thought, especially from WWF, that, that's the team. Um, a lot of people say they might have been a ripoff of Road Warriors, but, I mean, that's just, I mean, for me, though, I mean, that was the team. That was the badass team. I'm like, that's the team you need to watch out for those guys. Because, I mean, I didn't really know even know who the Road Warriors were at that point watching WWF. They, they, their costumes were very kind of SMN. SM. That kind of reminded me of Beastmaster, like the outfits they had in Beastmaster a little bit also. So who are the members of of that team? Axe, Axe, Smash, and later Crush. Okay. <laughs> they, wore, they wore the same costumes as the guy 
friends who used to dance at the Blue Oyster Bar from Police Academy movies. Now, Axe, Bill Eady, he was he had some single success before the before demolition. Who was he? Like the Mass Superstar? Yes. But I don't know where the Mass Superstar wrestled. Uh, and then Barry Garso. Yes. He became Repo Man, correct? That's that's true. He was uh, Crusher Khrushchev, a, a quote unquote Russian, before uh, uh, before demolition. But uh, you're right. Yeah, he was uh, was the Repo Man. Very sneaky. He he was a sneaker. <laughs> now, when you say they wore the S and M outfit, one might assume that they had the body to support this outfit. It's <laughs> clarifying that they did they, not. They imagine your uncle, who has not kept himself in physical shape, goes and buys an S&M outfit and puts it on, and that's what these guys look like. They come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, yeah. So, I would say if they would have had beards in that community, they would have been known as bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, they were very strong. I mean, Smash will be the first one to tell you that they warm up for matches by going out to the parking lot and throwing around cars. Okay. That was always my favorite part about their promos. Yeah. So they had face paint then, and then when we saw them at WrestleCon, um, they're dressed in their street clothes, and they still have their face paint on. Like one of them did, right? Yeah. I don't know if both well, of them did. I, oh. think, I think that face paint's a tattoo that they got in the late 80s yeah. of face painting, and it's just, they're going to be, for the rest of their lives. There's a lot of house shows, a lot of traveling. It's just a lot easier if you just tattoo the Tattoo, just tattoo the face paint on. They had excellent entrance music at the time. It was like rocking uh, the closest thing that quote unquote heavy metal that you would get in, w, in the WWF. Okay. Okay. Outside of uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. Okay. Uh, once again, uh, there was a uh, anything else? What, what did these guys do from uh, from then on? Did they go on do solo careers or no? Well, like I said, Barry Darso was Repo Man, uh, okay. which was a sneaky man who wore the old school bandit mask. Okay. Uh, he had a golf golf character too, didn't he? In WCW. Oh yeah, pain, some pain. Like hole in one, Barry Darso, or something, <laughs> something of that nature. Wasn't he also like Pain Stewart, but spelled differently, or something? Oh, like? that's funny if it was. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Do you need me to unscrew? Sometimes I, I think Axe though his like his experience. wrestling run period was calmed down. I think he had some heart issues, and that's why Crush was brought into. Uh, eventually take his place in demolition. Yeah, and then Crush went on. Now, was Crush Brian Adams? Yes. Okay. He went on to a solo career in both uh, WWF and WCW before getting busted with a lot of guns and drugs in Hawaii. Holy cow. And I believe he passed as well. That's true. He did pass. And it was shortly after uh, uh, the Chris Benoit tragedy. Jesus Christ. And he was actually a he was a part of uh, Chronic. That's right. With we, the, we're currently in the road, and that Crop Dusty plane got pretty close to the. I mean, not close. I mean, I'm sure to him, you know, feet or feet, you know, and to us, it looks a lot closer. Anyway, yeah. keep going. So, Brian Adams was, uh, went on to form, uh, be in the tag team Chronic in WCW, who were uh, avid weed smokers. Well, they had glaucoma issues, and plus they had anxiety issues or whatever. <laughs> it's a different time. Different times. Uh, so what other tag teams did you want to talk about? Uh, you want to talk about the Rockers? Well, the, the, the Russian guys. Who are the Russian? There's Russian guys in WCW and there's Russian guys in WWF. Who are the Russian guys in WWF? Well, yeah, so in the, in the mid-80s, there was uh, Ivan Koloff and Nikita Koloff. No relation in real life. No, I, it was Uncle Ivan. Okay. Uncle Ivan. And then uh, Nikita turned on... He, he turned on Russia, his home, his mother, on the motherland, and went. Yeah, and teamed up with Dusty Rhodes. So then Ivan Koloff went out and got Christian uh, Khrushchev, and uh, yeah, the Russian assassin as well. So they, they had those, and then the WWF had their own Russians. Okay. And so oh. who were they? They had Ivan Koloff. Uh, WWF had the Bolsheviks, okay. uh, Nikolai Volkov and yeah. Boris Zukov. Okay. I remember uh, my dad's friends were really into wrestling, and they would go to the Peoria Civic Center in Illinois. And then it was a little bit, uh, 
more intimate in those situations. And he said you could, the tunnels were a lot closer. People get a lot, especially like on the early, they don't have these entrance ramps. People actually right. came out of a tunnel. You can get close to people and yell stuff at them. And he said that they would yell Russian or whatever their version of Russian was at the people in the crowd. And they would cuss at them and give them the little finger and stuff like that. Right. So these guys actually weren't Russian, right? Most people would probably know that. So you would hear stories about, like, these guys would keep up, like, the Russian gimmick. Like, if people came over to their house, right, that didn't know them, that wasn't family, you know, they would come over and they would have to talk in their uh, their mother tongue or whatever. You know? I think Nikolai Volkov was from Lithuania, but from what I've heard, everybody else was either from Minnesota or Canada or North Carolina. Yeah. So they, they were inserted, because uh, the Iron Sheik, he was from Iran, and he became popular during the Iran prices when they had the hostages and everything and so they were bringing in these russian people to push this cold war button with fans much like hard much yeah. like when they took sergeant slaughter and they turned him against people during the gulf war that's right ronald reagan's america freedom uh, uh <laughs> for other w do you remember any other wwf wrestlers I, there's the heart foundation that's the one that comes to mind right definitely a big deal uh yeah the heart foundation uh jim nanville nightheart brought the hitman heart uh, we both of them in town this weekend. Uh, we saw at least looked at both of them. Uh, they were uh, they were the the, the big uh, heel big bad guys for a long time, and uh, finally defeated on Sunday morning. Uh, wrestling superstars by Strike Force, uh, Tito Santana and Rick Martel. A huge deal in my life at the time because you never saw a title change on TV. You have to get the pay per view. Had to get to the pay per view, okay. and I was not uh, allowed to get those pay per views. So this was uh, this was a big deal. You mentioned Rick Martel. We saw him buying pizza. <laughs> he eats food just like everybody else. Yeah. Well, he's great me with arrogance. One of the best things about our, our experience this weekend was people dressing up as their maybe not their favorite wrestler, but they would they would get the whole get up, and so you know they would be Hulk Hogan. Macho Man. Macho Man. We posted some pictures on Facebook, so... I mean, we do appreciate all our, our traffic on Facebook, but if you want to see some of our, our trip, you can go to our Facebook page. Um, so, the two people in uh, the Heart Foundation, they both went on to wrestle as individuals also. Oh, most definitely. And then, uh, Jim Neidhart's career, not as spectacular as Brett the Hitman Hart's. One thing I noticed when you saw him over the weekend, because he was at the signing table, he kept grabbing his chin just like he did on TV and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there was the Rockers, who's one of my favorite teams. Yeah. Uh, as a tag team. Well, Bret Hart, he went on to become champion. Yes, Bret Hart went on to become champion. I, I didn't really care for the, the Hearts at all. I just, they were kind of boring to me. They but, had the heart attack, though. Their finisher move, that was awesome. So the Rockers. You had Marty Jannetty, you had Shawn Michaels. Marty Jannetty was a little older, kind of the guy you thought was going to probably go somewhere of the two. Uh, they were exciting. They were, you know, they electric, kind of uh, young guys, neon colors, armbands wrapped around them. Lots of zebra prints. Lots of zebra prints. So was their wrestling style closer to the Killer Bee style? No, they were... More of a younger, high-flying okay. killer bees. They were definitely high flyers, uh, which at the time was kind of a, a different direction for WWE tag teams. Okay. Was I remember because Snuka went off the cage in the garden, right? Right. I mean, there's a difference between like you know being like having a big finishing spot yeah. off the cage and just kind of flying around the ring throughout most yeah. of your. And this is closer to the styles they'd have in Japan or in Mexico. At that time, I would definitely say Mexico. Mexico over Japan. Okay. Yeah. So the Rockers were doing backflips. No one else was doing backflips at this time. Okay. Except for like Lee Lanny Poffo, but I mean, this, they had a much higher, grander stage than, than he ever did. Um, Macho Man was kind of known initially as a high flyer, also, wasn't he? Well, no, he just, once again, he, he had the big spot. He had the big spot, okay. yeah. He didn't wrestle a high flying style. So the Rockers, what did they go on to individually? Uh, Marty Jannetty went on to not paying child support in several different states. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels went on to be Mr. WrestleMania. Considered one of the greatest, best ever now at yeah. this point, yeah. 
Uh, they famously broke up when uh, Shawn Michaels super kicked uh, Marty Jannetty through the barbershop uh, window, which was a huge thing as a kid at the time when that happened. There was blood. That's a glass window because um, previously in the 70s, and especially like EW and NWA, people would bleed. That people would be bleeding, but not on TV. Not WWF never had people bleed on purpose. Very rarely. Very rarely. If ever. Yeah. Because yeah. cartoon characters don't bleed. There you go. There's a, a logical explanation that I never would have considered before. They're cartoon characters, obviously. They were. <laughs> I mean, they even had a cartoon. They were built as cartoon superheroes. There's kind of a uh, vernacular today to say, "I, you are my Marty to my Sean. Like, you are my Marty to my Sean. You're my- <laughs> I saw some people wearing t-shirts that said that. Yeah. I'm Sean, you're Marty. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, most re- uh, all all wrestling fans would will know what that means. Uh, what about other WWF wrestling wrestling tag teams? Tag teams, or I mean, I feel like there's, well, yeah, there's a ton. There's about the Bushwhackers. Should we talk about the yeah, Bushwhackers? Yeah, you got Luke and Butch. They were from New Zealand. They walked with their hands in a raised motion, very synchronized. One arm, next arm. Getting right up to about the head, then down, head, down, left, right. They always pick one lucky kid in the audience to go up and lick his face. Yes, they actually licked my father's uh, face no way. at uh, Redbird Arena don't, 1990. Don't say if it's not true. You can ask him. He yeah. brings it up quite often. Doesn't Hogan touch Miss Elizabeth's butt at this show or no? Maybe I'm Nah, Hogan wasn't at that show. In my mind, that's, it's always happening. Hogan wasn't at that okay. show. Is Macho Man What? Is Macho Man there? Macho Man was at one show. I was going to ask the uh, the Bushwhackers. They uh, they took quite a 180 in style when they came to the WWF, didn't they? What were they wrestling before? I think they were wrestling in the NWA as the Sheepherders. The Sheepherders, because they're they're not Australian. They're New Zealanders. That, that's right. They're actually well, they're built from New Zealand. Okay. I don't know where they're really from. Okay. Talking to Bushwhack, well, hearing Bushwhacker Luke talk. Uh, over the past, over this past weekend, uh, I think I do believe he is definitely from at least the Australian continent, if not Australia. It's okay. I think they're from New Zealand. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they were legit from New Zealand. They are the ones who got GDP Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, Luke Wacker, Bushwhacker Butch was a friend of him from the club that he ran in Florida, and that's he's the reason that Diamond Dallas Page's pink Cadillac got in WrestleMania six. Oh, that's fantastic. And he was a bouncer at the time, or what was DDP doing? He ran, he was a nightclub manager. Oh, okay, okay. So did those guys go on to wrestle separately at all? Or? Nah, not of significance. Nah, yeah, I'm going to say no. But they do go on and they do sign autographs at wrestling conventions, though. At least Luke did. Heck yeah, why not? Uh, so who else did you see? You got pictures taken with them. With the Nasty Boys. Uh, Nasty Boys were a tag team that... Uh, jumped successfully back and forth between WCW and WWF. Uh, I did a great finish. It's called Pity City. And what they did was the one would lift up his arm and expose his armpit, and the other guy would take his opponent's face and shove it in his stinky armpit. So it's kind of like the ass face, a little bit. A little bit like the ass face. I, they, no dick face. I saw them do that to fans over the weekend. I'm assuming that that was requested by the fan. <laughs> I could have I could have requested that, but I, I chose not. So you got to put the jacket on. I did get to put the Nasty Boy jacket on. That's pretty cool. It was uh, smelly. I took Because you're only supposed to get one picture. I took like 15. <laughs> but you were, there's like one where you like got that badass face. Like, yeah. Well, you, <laughs> I, you can, you, that jacket transforms people. I felt like a nasty boy. So the nasty boys, they kind of look like uh, like a street gang situation. Is that what they were supposed I to do? I feel like they look like uh, <laughs> kind of like a real butch like kind of haircut. Like they got their sides shaved and a long mullet in the back. So you're saying they look they'd like be, uh, female golfers? They'd be pretty good at softball, probably. Okay. I always thought they looked like your just like general comic book punk character that you might like the Teenage Mutant. Ninja That's Turtles exactly what play. I was thinking. Like before uh, Bebop and Rocksteady get converted, there you they go. They seem like they would look like the Nasty Boys. There, that, that's fun. Yeah, exactly. That's because they were very colorful in their outfits. Yeah, you know, they had the, the spray paint style, uh, neon black and neon colors 
Yeah, very much so. And then uh, both of them, or one of them, is super good friends with Hulk Hogan. Was on the reality show with him. Yeah, uh, Brian Knobs, the, the blonde, the blonde one. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, him and Hogan were good. He, they kind of used him on the uh, scripted reality show as like the the bumbler. You know, like anything okay. he touched, he messed up. They'd say, "Hey, this is really important. You can't mess this up. I promise, Hulk. I promise, I'll do it. I'll promise, I'll do it right." And then. Ultimately, he would mess it up. You just forget everything. Go eat a sandwich. Oh, that was today. Sorry. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, the Steiner brothers formed uh, in '88, I believe. Okay, that's they were in AWA. NWA. NWA. Rick, uh, the older brother, was already a fixture in the NWA with the Varsity Club, which was a uh, bunch of wrestlers who had amateur background and wore singlets. And then they brought in Scott, uh, his, his younger brother, and they formed the Steiner Brothers. And when they first came out, they were bad dudes. Like, the stuff they were doing was stuff that no one else was doing. But I just remember watching them in the NWA, and it felt like they actually had a gimmick and, like, something you could really get behind, especially when you're used to cartoon character wrestlers. Like, these guys are different. I can get behind these people. Everybody, they're real. They're actual brothers. Yes. Everybody else in the NWA looks identical. There's no distinguishing marks once they take that from these people at all. So they wore headgear, they wore Letterman jackets, and they kicked ass. Yeah. And they had mullets, sweet mullets. They did have sweet yeah. mullets. The problem was Scotty often got injured, so then they'd pair Rick with, like, whoever was available. One summer it was uh, Bill Cashmeyer, the, at the time the strongest man in the world. Uh, he would be on those ESPN tough man competitions lifting, you know, big giant tree trunks. Kegs of, kegs of beer. Kegs of beer. Uh, he was not a very good wrestler, though. So but he looked good. He looked good. So you always like couldn't wait until Scotty was going to come back because well, Rick Steiner just he was he just he needed Scotty. He needed Scotty. Uh, they did go on for a short run the WWE, but it really wasn't their style, and okay. I don't think they were, they were able to distinguish themselves that much. Would you agree, Jim? Yeah, I'm going to say they were uh, too physical. I mean, they did win the tag team championships, and they probably had the best match at WrestleMania Nine against the Head Shrinkers, but the Head Shrinkers were. The small and SWAT team, so they, uh, you know, they, they could handle the, the Steiners, the, but the stiffness, exactly. But yeah, I, th I don't think many tag teams were wanting to. Were, well, I think you could probably say that about tag teams outside of the WWF, because I heard that when a tag team came to the came to the venue and they saw it was them against the Steiners, they knew they were in for a long night. So um, they got a amateur background, but did they go learn somewhere to learn this actual performance wrestling? Where did they go? I don't know. Okay. I'm sure they did, but I don't know. I wasn't sure. I mean, if, if they were taught to do more of a, a stiffer style of wrestling. No, I think it was just kind of who they were. That's just how they do? Okay. Yeah. Make it do what they do. Okay. See, if we're not just talking WWF tag teams, if you're breaking into okay, NWA yeah. and WCW tag teams, that opens up a floodgate of, uh, of other tag teams to talk about with the Rock yeah. and Roll Express, Midnight Express. Fantastics, Tully and Arn. There's a lot. Road Warriors. There's yeah. a lot more you can talk so the, about. So the these Steiner brothers, they went on to individual careers, also. Kind of. Uh, Scott did. Yes, became a WCW uh, World Champion. Uh, so he few was occasions. Scotty Tuhani. No. No. Scott Steiner. Scott. Big Papa Pump. Big Papa Pump. The big booty daddy. He's got a holler if you hear me. <laughs> He's got your hook up. Freakzilla. Freakzilla. Like he looked like. Did Look. he wear chainmail also? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Largest arms in the world. I, he looked like he was injecting his arms with steroids. I have sex with Allegedly. Allegedly. Softballs. Yes. He was the big bad. But, but I mean, he looked, you could see veins on veins on veins, oh, and he was se seriously cut. You could see every muscle on his body. Uh, so, Rick, what did he do? Uh, Rick hung around for a while. He was managed by Ted DiBiase at one point uh, in his WCW days, but he didn't do much. Uh, he ended up becoming a successful realtor in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, GA, Hotlanta. So if you're looking for a home, it's, it's a boom city. That's your guy. My brother just moved there. Your brother uh, moved there? Yeah, he just moved there. He uh, so uh, he did wrestle a lot before his brother did show up, though. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the NWA wrestling? Who's the biggest uh, tag team you think of? Well, the biggest would be the Road Warriors. Okay. 
Animal and Hawk. Animal and Hawk. Who eventually did go on to WWE. Once again, not really their style. They what actually did, what, had a few different runs over what did, there. What did the Road Warriors look like? Uh, big dudes, face painted, shoulder pads with spikes in it. Oh, what a rush. Funky haircuts. Especially yeah. on Hawk. With two different colors on either side. They looked like they were the movie Road Warriors. Yeah. In the, in the documentary I saw, they said that they wanted to have opposite haircuts so if they could plug into each other. One's That's like a mohawk funny. and one's a reverse mohawk. That's hilarious. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a on anybody else besides Hawk. It's the only time I've ever seen a reverse mohawk. It's like you're purposely showing your ever receding hairline. Where you have like a, a bald spot in the middle of your head. Yeah. yeah. So these guys were super physical guys. The, the, their finishing move was to put somebody on their shoulders and jump off the, the ropes, hit them, and they would... The person they would hit would flip midair and then land on its back. If done correctly. If yes. done correctly, yeah. That seemed like a pretty, I mean, they're never really high flyers, but they they still made it look good. Yeah. High impact is what they were. Their moves had a purpose. So that these were one, these were one of the earlier guys that definitely had paint on their face. Yes. Okay. Uh, as Jim said, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, uh, much different styles from the Road Warriors, but they were kind of two of the premier tag teams of the NWA. Uh, Southern boys, who can tell, just like to drink and wrestle. Okay. So they did. Mullets on all on all parties. Have a good time. Have a good time. Live the wrestling uh, lifestyle. Yeah, some with rock and roll, some with midnight. <laughs> Very smooth, technical, no waste of motion. Um, yeah, a, uh, not, no, not a whole lot. This was like pure wrestling. So like on the mat wrestling. Yeah. But not like Greco Roman, but more like performance wrestling wrestling. Yeah, classic style. Throw them to the ropes. Uh, everything looked textbook. You know, no, no mistakes. Uh, here's where your tag team psychology uh, might come in. You can suggest comes into play. Uh, Ricky Morton uh, of the Rock and Roll Express might. Uh, would be taking taking the beating or the heat, if you will. I'm going to say heat in the quotes because I'm not sure if uh, like qualified to uh, use wrestling. For okay, okay. You know. But uh, yeah, this is we had alluded to this before, where he would go for the tag to Robert Gibson, and but the Midnights would pull him back, and the crowd would they would make the they would build up that anticipation uh-huh. for the audience, and they and when the time was right, they would make the tag, and Robert Gibson come in house of fire and uh and you'd go to the end of the match from there but this build-up might happen in an nwa match might happen two or three times yeah in a match not just once i'm because i was so used to having it happening once and when i started watching rock and roll express matches or just nwa tag team matches in general these these hot tags would happen two or three times it would really build up and down up and down so I'm confused. There's the Rockers, the Midnight Rock, or the Rock and Roll Express, and then the Midnight Express. So the Rockers are who? Well, you're really getting into the subgenre of rock and roll, rock and roll inspired tactics. And one might think it begins with the Rock and Roll Express. It does not. But it does not. It's very <laughs> uh, narrow-minded and ignorant uh, viewpoint where you really need to back several years to probably about 1981, 1982. Jim, I mean, what are we, because we're talking about, like, uh, in Memphis, what were some of the tag teams that came before the Rock and Roll Express? Freebirds? That's, that's the first one I'm thinking of. Freebirds. Yeah, tether tag teams. Now, I wouldn't, um, <clears throat> when I think of Memphis tag teams, I'm thinking of things that I have heard about but never seen before, like the Fabulous Ones. Yeah. And, but I'm not so sure they were necessarily rock and roll band inspired. Now, they may have come out to like the popular rock music at the yeah. time, which I can't even uh, confirm. I'd have to go back and verify that one. But the first uh, first team that I can think of offhand is like uh, what Lawrence just said, the Fabulous Freebirds, <clears throat> who uh, also take credit for... But these guys had long hair. They looked like rock stars of the time. They because, were rock stars. Okay. Yeah. Freebirds, they wrote music, made music videos. Bad Street, baby. Bad Street, So this is, this is PSAs? Yeah. 
that could be as hey. Purely sexy. Purely sexy. Okay. Or as my neighbor would say, purely stupid. He was he loved his baby faces. I want to give Jeff a compliment here. He just woke up. You're doing a great job, Jeff. <laughs> we had a long weekend. <laughs> long weekend. But if Fire you could, if you could just wake up and talk run, about wrestling, you're just the, the kind of now. just the kind of guy who can just wake up and start talking about Memphis rock and wrestling. You know, when you're asleep, and I'll put I'm using quote air quotes a lot in this uh, this recording here. Uh, my uh, when you sleep for maybe five to ten minutes at a time, and I'm sleeping sitting up, so my neck I just like. Wake up and say, like, oh, 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 straighten up, straighten up. I'm very, my ears are in my shoulders. And I'm just like, oh, okay, back to normal. All that. Oh, does that hurt a lot? I don't think any of us really got any REM sleep, per se, over the weekend. We did rest. We rested. Yes. It was just a recharge. Yeah. There was nothing uh, uh, recreational about <laughs> it. So, right, so you got the Rock and Roll Express. It was probably the, the, the biggest teeny bopper, teeny bopper rock and roll tag team. That's right. Multiple and bandanas. Like oh. bandanas everywhere, yeah. Uh, especially around their around their legs, not necessarily on their head. Okay. So you had Ricky it seemed Morton. very menudo esque. Menudo. Yeah. It's, I don't know about that. It's a it's a pop band from the time period. They were not menudo esque. Yeah. Well, then they have bandanas all over themselves. Yeah, but. They were they were like Rolling Stones esque. Okay. They were like Keith Richards. Uh, I apologize. That's a, that's a really good comparison. Okay. Especially uh, the way Ricky Morton looks. I would uh, not the hair, but the face. Kind of that that sunken. I've never really slept a night in my life, but I slept a lot of days. Look. <laughs> you know the look. You know the look. <laughs> so he looks horrible. Pretty much. A little okay. Rough. A little rough. So had uh, Ricky Morton and then Robert Gibson. Ricky Morton was the, the, the blonde, and Robert Gibson was the, the brunette. Now, Dre likes to point out something here about Robert Gibson. What's his? What's the special feature of Robert Gibson? He's got a wookie eye. One goes this way, the other one goes that way. So he's got a, a crazy eye. He got one that's going the wrong direction. Now. Also, that the thing, one, that one eye is always looking for that hot tag. <laughs> when I when I met David Browse, the Darth Vader, he had a he had a Wookiee eye too. The thing uh, that you got to remember about the Rock and Roll Express is they traveled a lot. When they traveled, they traveled light because they left their bags at home. Robert Gibson, high five. <laughs> so they were known for their double drop kick. Yes, okay. I think that was their finisher. Finisher it was the drop kick. So they come in, beat the guy up. Tag, both go in, do the drop kick. The new guy comes in and pins him. That's it. Uh, sure. Well, pin him, pay him. Okay. That was described very quickly. I couldn't keep up. But okay. It's almost as if you knew exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> you said it with such confidence. Thank that I'm you. just gonna agree. Okay. I think Ricky Morton was the first person I ever saw do a Frankenstein. I really? did it before. Uh, before Scott Steiner. So would it have been a Morton? Uh, a Morton Carrada? Morton Carrada, sure. <laughs> so the Midnight Express was who? This is a different wrestling. This is a loaded question here. Yeah, that's... Who wasn't the Midnight Express? <laughs> Bobby Eaton? Bobby Eaton was... Uh, Beautiful Bobby. He was definitely a constant, I would consider. And, and Jim Cornette. Yes. He was the manager. He was the manager with the tennis ring. Right. That's correct. If Bobby would hit that sweet, sweet Alabama jam. Of the top rope leg drop, Alabama jam. But, uh, I think uh, Dennis Condry is, uh, I think, one of the founding members okay. of the Midnight Express. So let's not forget about the up-and-comer Sweet Stan Lang. With educated feet. Educated feet. <laughs> well, yeah, my, I think most people would agree that their favorite incarnation of the Midnight Express is Stan Lane and, and Beautiful Bobby. That, that would be my opinion. So the big battle was between the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express? That well, was... they battled throughout. Okay, but it was like a good storyline, keep the storyline moving. Well, yeah, I mean, they both had Express in their name, so instant heat. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite feuds was when, so you had several incarnations of the Midnight Express, and you had the, the most recent was Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton, and then one night on wrestling on Saturday night, the 
original Midnight Express, the old members came back out of nowhere with this new hot manager from New York City. New Paul York City. City. Polly Dangerously no. came into the studio and just started beating up the new Midnight Express, Jim Cornette. Now this wow. other member that. was that Randy Rose. Yes. Okay. He was one of the original. And this is when Paulie had the cell phone a lot. Yeah, and that okay. he, Paulie came in with that cell phone. He just clocked Jim Cornette with that phone. Blood's yeah. pouring everywhere. We uh, did. you get your? Did we get a gift from Trey, one of our yes. the driver for our trip? I have a cell phone case that will mimic Paul E. Dangerously cell phone. That's it does not weigh twenty five pounds like his did, however. So if it's over your iPhone five, correct. Okay. So beautiful Bobby wasn't one of the founding members. I thought he no. was, but it was Rose and Condry were actually the first ones. Yeah. And then do you know why I'm saying Rose moved out and? Uh, Eaton moved in. Uh, does anybody know how that came about? Once upon a time, I came back. You know. Okay. I know Condry wanted wanted to go to the WWF, and I think Eaton and Cornette didn't want to go, so he left town, and that's why he's standing. You know, I once watched the movie. The first time I ever watched the movie, The Midnight Express, it was just to hear the song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, you're not the only person. Um. So. Did anyone make it from the Midnight Express beyond to go solo? Yeah, Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton. And Stan Lane went to WWF to do commentary. That's right. Okay. Like 1994. And Jim Cornette probably made the most of it. Yeah, that's true. Because to me, Jim Cornette's the only name I really recognize. Yeah, uh, Bobby Eaton is credited with being one of the better working hands uh, of the late 80s, early 90s in the ring. A lot of wrestlers credit him with kind of helping, showing them the ropes when they were coming in. But... He, the most he ever did was TV title. Uh, that was basically his his area. Uh, Jim Cornette went on to start his own federation, Smoky Mountain, and then has worked with creative for both uh, WWF, Ring of Honor, maybe TNA at one point. So he's kind of he's around as more of a backstage guy. And he does his own podcast too. Yes, just he like does. everybody else. Just like. Um, do we want to touch base on the Four Horsemen? It was a two tag teams. How many people were in the Four Horsemen? At one point, the fall, everyone in the Four Horsemen were tag teams, and there's been so many members that. I mean, there's been a lot of members. I don't feel like counting them all. Who are the Who are the ones that people count as the Four Horsemen? That's a loaded question. A, oh yeah. my God! I'm going to see. Well, there's so many Horsemen okay. incarnations. Rick Flair, Telly Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and Ollie Anderson. That's the original. Okay. I'd say when you think of four horsemen tag team, though, you got to go with Tully and all. Yes, absolutely. This flair was most of the time. Right, but then the uh, Arn and Wyndham held the belts for a while. Oh, did they? They held okay. the tag team belts in the nine, in 90 leading up to Starcade. Okay. Uh, they were in a feud with Doom. Um, Tully and Arn, they had a stint in the WWF as the Brainbusters. Correct. And then. They were uh, tag team champions. Yes, they were. And they were set to leave Vince and go back and sign a big deal with uh, Turner, but totally failed a drug test. So that basically broke them up. What kind of drugs? Cocaine, most likely. Okay. okay. They were not steroid guys. Okay. Um, so um, we went to the Raw yesterday, held right in the building right next to uh, WrestleMania, the Superdome. And uh, where the Pelicans play. And we got to see the Ultimate Warrior. And I was unaware that the Ultimate Warrior and Sting were actually tag team partners at one point. Yeah, it was such a blip in the map. And they weren't wrestling for, you know, a, a nationwide organization. It just, Is it WHO or something? Or something? WM. Basically, it was, that's just one of those facts that, like, in the early 90s, you would read it in a magazine, you'd go to school and tell all your friends, no you know the Ultimate Warrior was used to be taking parts of Sting? Doesn't even be unstoppable, man. Oh, that's the greatest team ever. How did they not win all the titles? Because they were rookies and they wrestled in a federation that wasn't a big federation. Okay. It was universal. It was universal. So is the Universal Life Church. <laughs> Anybody can be a pastor. Uh, I guess uh, we want to give a shout out to everybody that left messages on our Facebook page while we were down, in, uh, while we were down in New Orleans, and special thanks to Frank and Jack for your donations, and also Doiner. Thank you very much for Doiner. 
uh, yeah, it's been a great time. I'm very tired, and I just want to go home now. It's pretty exhausting. Hopefully, I get this edited. We'll see. And well, for for Dre and Black Cat and Jim and Glenn, stay awesome. Stay awesome, everybody. Go! You're still here? Don't, 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 don't worry about us. We'll be all right. It's over. Should you need us? Yes. Should you need us? For any reason at all? Go home. Get out of here! Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Go. No WWE talent becomes a legend on their own. Every man's heart one day beats its final beat. His lungs breathe their final breath. And if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others, it makes them bleed deeper in something than larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized by the storytellers, by the loyalty, by the memory of those who honor him and make the running the man did live forever. You, 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 you are the legend makers of Ultimate Warrior. In the back, I see many potential legends, some of them with warrior spirits, and you will do the same for them. You will decide if they lived with the passion and intensity, so much so that you will tell your stories and you will make them legends as well. I am Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! The Ultimate Warrior, the newest member of the Hall of Fame. Get your maggots, this is Sergeant Slaughter from WWE and G.I. Joe, the real American hero. And you're listening to the awesome 80s podcast. Don't touch the dial. That's an order.